Short leaves tastes good like a beer should. You said it. Lucky strike means fine tobacco. Try a frosty cold glass of Bavarian right away. What you say? No boulder dash or baloney here. Cheers, everyone, and welcome to the Unfiltered Gentlemen. No matter how you take your hooch, we've got something ice cold and on tap. Now, serving it to you straight and unfiltered, here are Greg, Scott, and Dan. Hey, everybody, Greg here from the Unfiltered Gentlemen, of course. I am on a bit of a road trip. I'm up in Mammoth, California, for those of you uh, SoCal listeners, which we have many of. That's a little, little north of us by, like, five hours. Came up to do some skiing, decided to hang out and... Uh, have some spirits and beer. I am at Shelter Distilling here in Mammoth. It's 100 Canyon Boulevard, Suite 217 in the Village. If you guys haven't been to the Village, that's where all the fun happens after you get off the slopes. I'm being joined by Matt Hammer and Jason Senor. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you for having us. So let's let's kind of get into your guys' background. We'll, we'll try some uh, tasty, tasty goods in a second here. Let's talk about your backgrounds a little bit real quick. Matt, you were uh, a pro snowboarder before this yeah i was pro snowboarder for 18 years uh most of the time here in mammoth really yeah and so then you made the transition into drinks well during that time i'd been a coffee roaster so my wife and i had been in coffee for almost 18 years as well this is actually how i met jason and carl was through roasting coffee and making coffee beers at a mammoth brewery nice and we should mention that carl is not here with us today but he's the third owner with you guys um, and Jason, you and Carl worked at Mammoth for quite a while. You were the head brewer at Mammoth Brewing? Yeah, I worked at Mammoth Brewing Company. You see, started in May of 2000 and then became head brewer in 2006. And then Carl, I don't exactly remember when he started, but we worked together for about five years at okay. Mammoth Brewing Company. And what's, what's your background with brewing? How'd you get into brewing? And Oh, I got into it through home brewing, like most people. <laughs> like your little extract kids? <laughs> yep, and then yeah. decided, I want to work at a brewery. Yeah. And I uh, got any job I could. Nice. Having to be a man with brewing company, delivering ice, and then work my way up from there. And off the air, Matt was telling me you're quite the nerd. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think so, but everybody else does. <laughs> what, what was it? Uh, He's an artesian nerd. Artesian <laughs> nerd, yes. Oh, that's a good term. Yeah, yes. I like that. Um, and you're not from here. You're from Pennsylvania. I did some stalking before the interview. Oh, yeah. You're from Pennsylvania, made your way out here. Mm-hmm. What brought you out to Mammoth? Snowboarding, the mountains. Yeah. Yeah, the real snow and mountains. And how long has Shelter been here? It's fairly new. Yeah, we opened December 14th. So just a few months. Yep. And kind of the cool thing is that you guys were finally able to do this because of the new long California in 2016, they basically changed the laws that had been in place since Prohibition, allowing for different levels of integration of making alcohol and, and how you do it. And so now, what, what is it? You can sell up to a certain amount yeah, and in, still be craft? In California, we can now sell 1.5 ounces a day as a tasting. Split okay. up either way. You can do tasting cocktails. That's all part of the new law. Okay. You can now sell three bottles per person per day across the counter which is new at the start of 2016. Okay. We operate more than that because of this establishment, too. We also have a full bar making cocktails and drinks, and that's because we have a full kitchen as well. Right. Yeah, you yeah. guys have it all dialed in here. This is awesome. We hold, like, 10 different licenses. It's pretty insane. So who does what when it comes to distilling and the brewing? Like, who's in charge of which or, or all? Or 
Well, yeah, we're all kind of the idea men behind everything, but okay. we all work together on that. And then um, mostly Carl and myself in production, and then Matt handles all of the marketing and the front of the house and making everything happen, as well as all the graphics, and um, he's the, did all the welding and the woodwork Dang. in here as you're, well. You're a handy fella. We all are very handy. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah. We had to be. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's pretty awesome. I mean, a lot of like breweries start off that way, too, where it's just like one guy do, or two guys you know, doing it all, and in this case, three guys doing beer and distilling and food. That's, that's insane. Let's get into our first one, many, one of many that's, that's in front of me. Yeah, would you like to start with spirits or beer? Let's go spirits. We're okay. here to talk about spirits. I mean, you have 14 drinks in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> there will be pictures on the social media. Yeah. All right. Let's, how about our vodka? How about our Absolutely. 100% wheat-based vodka? Okay. Yeah, our vodka, it, it's, it does go through our still three times. It's 100% wheat-based, and uh, it's fermented with a brewer's yeast. Okay. Temperature-controlled fermentation. In a, a conical fermenter, so it's very much you know a lot of our spirits are essentially making beer without hops and distilling it. It has like a sweet smell to it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like you think vodka and you think like rubbing alcohol. <laughs> this is this is not the case at all. What's what's making it kind of sweet? It's the residual sugars left over in the fermentation, as well as the, the yeast playing with the wheat. You get a little bit of that um, that banana flavor that you would in a in a hefeweizen. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really nice and, and very very unexpected. Um, whew, that was good. It'll <laughs> warm you up when it's snowing yes. like crazy outside. Yeah, it's the perfect drink for right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's do one more, and I'll ask you guys some more questions. All right, now we move into the gin. Okay, uh, this is gin the first. Gin the first. This gin, um, I'll let you taste it first. All right, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm smelling it's like floral. Mm-hmm. A little bit of fruit, maybe. Wow, that's nice. You get a lot of the floral on the tongue. In that particular gin, there is lavender and vanilla, and I get that a lot on the finish. Mm-hmm. But also, local pinion pine goes into the botanicals on that that gin, and that's a hundred percent malted barley based gin. And it kind of has a little bit of that uh, IPA pine smell to it when mm-hmm. you're when you're sniffing. Definitely get a lot of that's really nice. As someone who admittedly is not a huge drinker of gin, but only because I've only had like well gin when I've gone to places, it's never the top shelf stuff. This is really good. This is really nice. This is one of the four gins that we make today. All four being different alcohol proofs, different botanicals, different yeast, different grains. So it's exciting because you can sit down and taste like four crazy different gins and have a completely different experience the whole way through. Yeah. And one thing you were telling me off the air was any beer that you make, you make it once and you never make it again. Correct. So the spirits are like that as well. It's all batched out. So it's one batch of this, one batch of that. Um, a couple of them we've made separate, like two to three batches, mm-hmm. but inherently they're different, like uh, different ratios of ingredients, different infusion times. Hence the names like the first, the second, the third. So when we did all this, right, like our whole goal was we want to make what we want, when we want, how we want in small quantities. Like yeah. it, everything here is done on purpose. Everything has a reason and like a rhyme to it. And like Jason said, like, we all sit down we're like, we want to do this and we want to do this. And we kind of like collaborate on like this, make this happen. When we did the gins, we did gin one, two, and three. It was like, all right, everyone's going to do their own gin. We're going to see what happens. And we all had different, like, let's make this, let's make this. And we, <laughs> we sat by ourselves and went through it and just, not that we didn't consult each other, but right. like, we made our own gins. And That's awesome. You just got to develop your own recipes. It's funny. Yeah. And I hear after some brief stocking that, you guys started doing gin because the wives were really into the gin. 
Is that yeah, true? Our wives drink gin, <laughs> for sure. So are you playing to their palates or are you playing to your palates? Gin is the most consumed alcohol in my house. <laughs> when I take it home, it disappears. Just magical. It's just crazy. Yeah. You know, like my, my wife and myself, we tend to like the same type of gins, for sure. Makes it easy. Yeah, there's definitely some motivation there from the wives as far as <laughs> like the lavender and vanilla finish on yeah. Gin the First. Yeah, that's from that's from Kathy, my wife. So you designed the the Gin the First. Yes. Okay. So who did Gin the Second? Carl. Carl did. All right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about him since he's not here. Can we try Gin the Second? Yes. Yeah. I don't even know how you keep these straight. There's just a plethora. We got a cheat sheet over here. Oh, nice. I like yeah. it. That is smart because uh, there's no way I could keep this in order, especially after I finish all these. So this one has. Is that like a little citrus on the nose? Yeah, I believe there's orange peel on that. This has the highest amount of juniper of all three gins as well. Okay. So that comes off a lot. And sage, hand-picked sage from our region. It, you really get that like herbaceousness from the sage. Uh, it's really smooth. What's the different times that this, you know, I, I think beer, I know a lot about beer. You know, oh, as far as the, yeah, the fermentations are really similar to beer okay. for our gins. But um, if you're... Referring to the, the, the flavors of the botanicals, mm-hmm. they definitely come off at different times and different temperatures in the distilling run as well. Okay. So it's kind of like in the boil of beer, you would add like different hop schedules and mm-hmm. such. So this you have different schedules for your different flavorings. Yep. Yep. And then now when you get an earthy flavor, that's, I believe, mostly from the juniper late in the distilling run. That's really nice. And have these, correct my wrong terms, uh, have these like aged for different amount of times or, or sat in the fermenter for different amount of times? The first two gins you've tasted are pretty similar as far as fermentation times, and then through the still twice, one stripping run, one spirit run, and then from there, just proofed and right into the bottle. All right, so we're just talking about uh, gin the second. You made the first. Carl made the second. So I'm guessing you made the third. I did make the third. Did you try the barrel-aged gin yet? No. So gin the second, barrel-aged. Okay. Gin the second is a rye-based gin. This was aged for one month in a used rye whiskey barrel from Venus Spirits. Wow. You get a lot more of the, uh, like the earthy tones on the nose. Well, it's cool when you drink these side by side, tasting what a barrel does for one month and how drastically different those are. Yeah. But how very much the same they are. You can tell it's the same base. You know, yeah. just like a, a barrel-aged beer, like you can tell it started off at the same place and sat in this barrel and picked up all these new flavors. Yeah. This is really nice. Yeah, it's much more earthy. I think than the uh, the not barrel aged one, you get a lot of herb on it again, just like the other one did. It cuts down some of those like higher tones, like that juniper. It cuts that down a little bit. It yeah. like rounds it, in a way. Yeah, it's not quite as intense. Maybe a little more balanced. Yeah, you know, has it's mellowed out by the uh, the aging process. Yeah, we were big fans of what used barrels do to spirits. Yeah, the rounding and the mellowing. Yeah, I mean alcohol in general, beer spirits. Yeah, like, it, it I does barrel aged beers as well. Yeah, did you get to barrel age any beers when you were uh, mammoth? Or yeah, we did quite a bit. Is it a big barreling program or? Yeah, it is a pretty big one. So you're able to kind of take what you learned from the beer side of it and then bring it over here? A lot. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Everything from fixing leaks on barrels to <laughs> how new oak taste and used bourbon barrels. Yeah. That's very cool. All right. So before I, I forget what the second one tastes like, let's try gin the third. I think if that's the right order. Correct. That's yeah, a good yeah. order. So gin the third is uh, the mm. lowest proof of the three. This is 80 okay. proof. 20 different botanicals in it and it's a way more floral based very floral very i almost get like black licorice when mm-hmm. i'm smelling it yeah i do too so you get like a meadow sweet flower mm-hmm. chamomile um lavender star anise, ice grapefruit 
rose hips, rose petals, yeah. ginger, mugwort. It's like the list goes on. It's insane. <laughs> it starts off a little sweeter and then finishes a little spicy. No, it, it's totally <laughs> what it does for sure. All right. Back to the questions, if I can still read at this point. <laughs> you guys have been around for a few months. How did this all come about? Walk us through the process of opening a distillery. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> you, uh, you just don't open a distillery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we first started talking about opening up a small brewery four years ago. Yeah, probably about that now. Probably about that. And, uh, and it evolved a lot for sure into what we are now. Yeah. But our vision always been, like, we wanted to just go for it as big as we possibly knew how. And it's definitely what we ended up doing. We're about three and a half years, four years from conception. It took us a year and a half to almost a year and a half to build the space out. Wow. This used to be two spaces. We tore all that out. 25,000 pounds of debris we took out. Wow. And then putting all the equipment in, 22 holes. In so there's an underground parking underneath us. Right. Right. So 22 holes into the underground parking from two feet thick to four foot thick, four inches to eight inches wide holes that wow. we did ourselves. You know, anywhere from four to, I'm not even going to say ourselves, which Jason drilled <laughs> four to six hours per hole. Now, I think Carl stood on the drill a good bit, too. <laughs> I didn't stand on the drill. <laughs> Everybody's tagging out your turn. I, I'm giving him all the credit. And then, like, you know, putting the floors in, the separations, the walls. We built right. everything. All the welding, all the woodwork. And you probably had to put on all the floor drains, all the plumbing. I mean, all the yeah. placements. And everything's custom because what you were saying before we started the show was, like, you'll use one piece of equipment for multiple types of drinks. Totally. Yeah. So, so we're the first place in California to have a winemaker's license, a brewery license, and a distillery license in one space. We're the first place in the United States to have a still under three floors of residential condos. The first ever <laughs> to be in a village area. Yeah. Which was insane because we were talking to the planning department. Uh, yeah, they had some weird zoning sense. laws. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, why? No. <laughs> um, but then when you go to equipment, you know, the still. That came from Germany, from Carl. Wow. 10 months, hand-built for us. All the tanks came from Kribbler out of Hillsburg. She's just outside of Napa, which is nine months. But everything was custom-built to fit our space, to fit our application, to fit the design of uh, Jason and Carl, like how we're going to do things and why we're going to do things. Yeah. And like we said earlier, like you know, we build everything like a beer. Right. We're also capture all of our wastewater and reuse it we're one of the only distilleries to do that kind of stuff we capture all of our uh, our condensate and return it back to the boiler wow we recycle our water through our condenser back into our tanks to keep things flowing so we're not wasting but obviously that took a lot of like there's a lot of brain power and a lot of passion that went into the why and the how and okay let's put it all in this space in an organized row which was really hard <laughs> yeah, i mean it looks incredible I can't tell you how much time we spent measuring from that wall to that wall, like weeks. Just to see what would fit in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's, I mean, you can kind of see over there, there's pink spray paint. <laughs> like we spray painted everything and like. <laughs> still there. It's still there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And you said you had the space for how long before you opened up? It was, it was like a year. It was a year. year. It was just over a year, yeah. right? Like touch over a year. Yeah. I mean, just from a business standpoint, that's a huge space. I'm sure it's a lot of rent, and you're not turning a profit. It was crazy. I mean, the door, this roll-up door, these weren't here. Oh, really? The one in the front wasn't here. There's a roll-up door on each side of the building. And yeah. Those were huge. They were jackhammering out rocks and walls in the front, and they were hitting the businesses on the other side. <laughs> 
It was insane. It was insane. T-shirt shop across the way is like, yeah. what the hell are you guys doing? For sure. That's insane. And obviously, you know from working at Mammoth, but I think everybody knows that craft beer is like the moneymaker right now. Everyone's doing craft beer. What was the decision to really focus on spirits? Like, what, what kind of drove that? As soon as the new law passed, the craft distiller's license in California, the type 74, right? As soon as that, we heard that that was going to happen, we changed our focus. Yeah. We, we have to open a distillery. Because we always wanted to add a distillery to a brewery just because we really wanted to do it. The passion was there to create the spirits. But as soon as that, that law passed, we, we knew it was a viable option. And how much foot traffic do you get just because people are like, holy crap, a distillery? <laughs> the village is great for foot traffic. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Great. But when people walk in, yeah, there's, there's a lot, usually swear words uttered whenever <laughs> they walk in. Like, wow, holy. <laughs> uh, how did the name come about, Shelter? It really feels. Yeah. That was, was a, another year. That's that. <laughs> how much time is this interview? What it comes. I mean, it's funny if we look back. We actually all moved to town the same year, '98, right? Yeah, yeah. The three of us. It was crazy, and we all moved here to snowboard, right? And and do all the other things that Mammoth provides, like mountain biking, golfing, whatever it is. You know, yeah. we have the closest accessibility to pretty much everything. And for us, it, living in Mammoth is about quality of life. And it's the same, like craft spirits, craft beer. It's about those, I want to drink this. It was made on purpose. Like, I want to go snowboard today and enjoy my life and our time with our kids. And so when Shelter came about, whether it's like you live here year-round, you come to Mammoth on vacation, you come for that moment. You come to go ski. You come to go mountain bike. You come to go fish. That's the shelter. That's the shelter from your cubicle. That's the shelter from your normal life is Mammoth in general. And it. Speaking for the three of us, I mean, that's why we're here. Yeah. The quality of life here is fantastic, and our kids get to grow up playing outside and having fun, and and we get to play outside and have fun. Right, exactly. So, like, Mammoth is our shelter. That's awesome. I'd say that's it, you know? Yeah, Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into more questions, what shall we uh, move on to? You're on to French single malt whiskey. I am excited. This one, this is our single malt whiskey aged on French oak chips. Explain to people single malt, single batch. I mean, every bottle nowadays has like a malt and a batch. What does that mean when you're when you're having it's all whiskey? Malted barley. Okay. Yeah, there's not there's not a bunch of corn in it. You know, it's there's not a bunch of adjuncts or sugar or anything. It's all from malted barley, 100% malted barley. So that's single malt. When people put single batch on the bottle, what is that about? Single batch is from one particular batch in the fermenter going through the steel into a barrel. So no blending, mm-hmm. nothing like that. This is incredibly smooth. Uh, a lot of, let's say, vanilla maybe from the uh, from the oak. Yeah, but the French oak really imparts a lot of vanilla flavor. Yeah, a little smoky. Yep. With not, you know, not being too smoky because that happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you could just sip on this all night. That happens in my house too. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not gin, it's this. It happens doing work too. Yeah, it's a necessity yeah, sometimes. That, that can't be too bad. <laughs> And all of our barley, we source all of this from Scotland for this particular whiskey. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not sparing any expense on this. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> we spare no expense. And, and why that particular malt? The malt is just great. It's Glen Eagle's pot still malt okay. from Scotland. It's the quality is just lovely. The flavor. Did you get to like go over and try it? Or no, I, I wish. <laughs> no, it's from Brewer Supply Group. Okay. But whenever we brought it in, because we did a lot of experimental batches. But although most everything made it into the bottle, mm-hmm. but when we first tried this malt, 
we loved it. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm going to keep sipping on this for a while. This is phenomenal. Matt, we talked a little bit about snowboarding. How did that, how did you get from snowboarding to coffee? When I met my wife, she was running a place and her brother was a roaster. For me, I, obviously I'm super addicted to coffee, much like what's on the table now. And in the same way, coffee, whether it's beer or spirits, it's really about that time you spend with people. For me, that's a huge point is like, is actually this, like we get to sit down together. We get to talk about this cool, amazing thing or, or what we did today and, and what our kids are doing and what we're going to do tomorrow. So relationship, relationships, a, a high valued thing in our family. And uh, that kind of led us down coffee, like hanging out with our friends. Sure. And it just developed like this passion for the whys, the hows, coffee's coffee's crazy second highest traded commodity in the world that only comes out of third world countries that's weird to think about it's a really intense corrupt system coffee like wine like spirits you know it's a certain varietal of plant roasted a certain way produces you know the taste of that plant come sure. out. and the way your barista uses it has 85 percent control over how it tastes so there's all these points like wow and i just got like enveloped into like the taste the flavors the complexities the the regions the terroirs what that does and when we started roasting and we started our own shop, it was all about that. Like, it sounds like your, your guys' uh, different levels of nerdiness kind of mend well. Cause, I mean, that sounds a lot yeah. like what you do when you're making beer. I mean, you, it, depending yeah. on how you roast you know, the malts or whatever, it'll taste different or different hops at different temperatures. I mean, it's all very... It's crazy. Like, the machines look different, but you're doing the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. A lot of cleaning. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of cleaning. There's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of like, I want it to taste like this and purposefulness. But I mean, even like the milling and the why you put water on and the extraction rates and the timing, like it's all the exact same. And so are there any, and maybe this is a spoiler alert, are there any coffee spirits or beer? A couple of months ago, last month there was, <laughs> we had a coffee cream ale, which was fantastic. That and you're going to get to the peanut butter chocolate ale, which kind of came from there, I would Excited. say. Mm -hmm. We had a, a coffee infused rum. It was 120 proof. Crazy good. <laughs> that sounds good. But what was rad of that? We made 24 bottles. That's it? That was it. And so that's, there. there's small batch, small production. Yeah. Right there. We had a drink, a cocktail. Mm -hmm. So we probably sold 12 of those bottles and the rest, 12 went out as cocktails. Wow. To me, it was the, the best thing ever. One day, so we had gin the third. Gin the third ends after distillation. We maturated on cucumbers for two hours. And it kind of gives it that round, uh, yeah. sweet cucumber taste at the end. Okay. The second batch of gin, the third, we maturated it on the cucumbers for six days, but only eight bottles worth. Wow. So we released an unfiltered cucumber maturated. So it was like bright green, similar to this. Yeah. And we released 24 bottles of overproof coffee rum the same day. And to me, it was the best day. It was one of my most favorite days being here. Like, this is it. This is everything to me of why I wanted to do this. Like, insane spirits that you would never have anywhere else. And we only made this many bottles. And when they're gone, they're gone. Does that hurt at all when you're like, oh, we've sold, you know, all 24 of these bottles? Is it, it like, felt oh, crap. great. No, really? It's the coolest <laughs> yeah, it thing ever. Well, I'm sure it's great to sell the bottles. But, like, do you ever wish it was back or? Nah. Because there's always something else to make. And then that's something else special to come out with. That's so cool. You know, you see a lot of, like, uh, beer nerds get pissed off when Firestone takes a beer away. Like, how dare you get rid of a beer? But they always replace it with something really good. It's never like, we're going to dump this one and bring you guys some Budweiser. It's it's always really good. So I think that's really cool that you guys are able to just let things go like that and, and bring in the next thing. 
It's uh, it's you don't hear that very often, so it's very cool. Jason, talk about the learning curve that was involved from going from brewing to distilling. Yeah, that was definitely interesting. <laughs> <laughs> because you know we were very familiar with the fermentation side and the equipment up until the still, and then from there it was all we were all three of us standing around thinking. Well, let's just go for it. Let's see what this thing does. Yeah. And <laughs> Which is totally what we did. <laughs> yeah. We just turned on the steam and waited to see what would happen. <laughs> let's see if this is good or not. Yeah. And then from there, and it, it melds so well between the brewing and distilling processes okay. that, that you can carry a lot over. So that we were very fortunate that way. Once you turn the still on, the flavor profiles, you're looking for this, you know, you're hitting the right temperatures, the, yeah. just paying attention to everything that the transition was really pretty fun. I know there's like brewing programs you can go learn to be a brewer at different, you know, colleges are offering these now. Is there the same thing for distilling? Yeah, there are. Oh, there's, really? um, there's craft distillers conferences and there's uh, different schools you can go to to learn distilling. So a lot of the listeners on the show know a lot about how beer is made. We've talked to a lot of brewers. Kind of walk us through the process of making a distilled spirit. Pretty much everything starts with the fermented wash, you know, in the fermenter. Most things we make are ba- grain-based, but our agave obviously is made out of agave syrup, and our rum is cane sugar. Okay. Our brandy is uh, apple juice-based. Oh. But once we have that fermented wash, that goes into still, and pretty much everything we do gets a stripping run, and that's basically just a separation of alcohol out of that wash. Okay. And then that's just a real quick, fast, hot distilling run to pull that alcohol out and then the next day or later that day whenever we, we get around to it we put it's called low wines at that point uh-huh. we put that back in the still and do a spirit run on it so you kind of do the same process again yeah okay yeah. and the gins if we're making a gin we uh, soak botanicals in that low wines for before the spirit run and also put botanicals in the the basket on the still the botanical basket but that spirit run, that's where we start differentiating the spirits. I mean, they all have different bases, different washes, but the process changes depending on what we're making. Sure. So we have three different columns on our still. You know, one is the botanical basket, one's the copper column with five plates, and the other one's the condenser. So we can, we can bypass the, the botanical basket, we can bypass the column and just go straight to the condenser. So we, have, we can change things up quite a bit depending on what we're going to make. So you're done fermenting. And then you heat it up, and that's what separates. Mm-hmm. The yeah, alcohol vapor boils off at a lower temperature than water okay. and other impurities. So you get that. The, and what first comes off is the heads. You know, everybody's kind of hear about heads. It's bad for you. Right. And the methyl, methanol. Yeah, if you watch Moonshiners on Discovery Channel. Yeah. <laughs> you need to get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> and good things, it, it comes off early in the process at a, a lower temperature than the hearts. You boil that off. Make sure you get that all out. And a lot of it's volume-based, but mm-hmm. also you're, you're, it's aroma-based. And, and when you're sure it's gone, you taste it to make sure it's gone. Right. <laughs> and so that you do it once, and then you call it the wine run? Is that what you said? The spirit run. Spirit run. Yeah. And so what's the second time? Well, the, no, the, the first one is the stripping run. Oh, the stripping run. That's and what it is. And then the second and one then is the spirit run. And then the spirit run. Okay. Anyway. So on the first one, the stripping run, what's, you know, what's the ABV compared to the second run? The stripping run, when it's all said, it's around 35% alcohol. Okay. Yeah, 35 to 40%. And you do it again and it... Yeah, on the, strip, on the spirit run, on our, our gins, we're, we're looking around 90%. Wow. And then for our agave, we take it all the way. It starts off at maybe 88%, all the way down to about 50%. I've heard people will, uh, you know, especially 
large batches, uh, you know, big whiskey producers, like they make whiskey and it's usually too high and then they kind of water it down a little bit to like bring it to the right. Is that part of the process or mm-hmm. do you guys? Yeah. And that's it's the proofing side of things. Yeah. That's another cool process where we can be creative because it tastes so different at different proofs. Sure. So whenever we're done with the spirit run and, you know, if, if, if we're aging something, we put it away and age it and then pull it back out. And then you want to proof it down to where you want to drink it. And then we get out a bunch of different glasses and the hydrometer and, and do a bunch of different proofs of that spirit and see what we like. We sit around. Figure out where it works best. and Yeah, see what we like best. And then we proof it down, put water in it, mix it up right where we want it, and then bottle it. That sounds like a good day at the office. Yeah, that is a good day. <laughs> and this is It's one of the coolest parts because he's totally right. Like, that like one percent, it's a crazy different taste. Like it would blow your mind. That's weird. And then it just comes down to the three of us sitting around a table like this drinking. And we're like, I like that one. <laughs> well, I like this one. Like, <laughs> and we decide what we're gonna do, and it's it's fantastic. That's awesome. Speaking of drinking, uh, what should I go to next? Let's see. You are on to rosehip whiskey. So this is our single malt whiskey, or the same as our, our white whiskey. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, once again, Glen Eagles pot still malt, honey malt. And then um, we, sp- we do the, the spirit run, the, the stripping and spirit run, mm-hmm. and then soak it on rose hips for two days. So it's a little lighter in color. Mm-hmm. Uh, it smells sweeter. And you definitely taste some of that floral notes uh, above the other one. Mm-hmm. This has no oak in it at all. All that color is from the rose hips. Wow. So okay. So the first one, that dark color comes from the oak. Yep. So if there were no rose hips in this one, would it be clear? Yes. Per- yep. Perfectly clear. Really. And actually, the next one you are going to drink is the white single malt. That is so nice. A little sweetness on the end. Like that's. It's cool. That's it, phenomenal. It gives a lot of floral, but it rounds with that sweetness too. It's like, it makes a whiskey like really approachable to someone who's never had it. Absolutely. Like, you think of whiskey, and you think of whiskey. You know? Then someone that's always had whiskey, this is completely different. And not in a bad way. You know, it's not like uh, someone who really likes IPAs goes and has a fruity sculpin and is like, oh, what is this crap in my beer? Like, this is this is a really nice. Someone who likes whiskey, this is a really nice whiskey that is not, you know, dumbed down in any way. But it is a little more approachable for somebody who may not like the intensity of a, of a barrel-aged whiskey or something. We're a big fan of rose hip because it grows locally around, around the streams here. Mm-hmm. And you can, when you go out and walk along the streams, you can smell it. And it smells great. Yeah. It smells great in whiskey. Yeah. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so we thought, too. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is also whiskey. This clear one I'm picking up. Yep. Yep. That is the same as the rose hip, only no rose hip infused in there. So that's the base of the rose hip. Wow. All right. Is there honey in this? There's honey malt. Honey malt. No okay. Honey. Yeah. Gambrinus honey malt. I mean, you really smell the honey on it, mm-hmm. or the honey malt. To me, this is a—it's uh, very much tropical fruits. Mm-hmm. That's what I get. I love it for that. They, yeah, is my favorite of our whiskeys. Is that one right there? That also is a good like kind of entry whiskey. It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool, and it's really amazing because it is very, very smooth. It is very, very flavorful, and it is straight out of the still. Yeah, no aging on that. No oak. So it finishes up and time to drink. Yep. So really modeled the, the recipe and the ingredients and the fermentation process to make that smooth and drinkable right out of the still without any aging. Yeah, mission accomplished. I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's phenomenal. Um, I always like to ask because whenever I sit with the brewers, distillers, uh, everyone's always drinking. What are you drinking? The, our oak-aged blue agave. 
Oh, oh, is that on the tray? It is. So we'll get to Okay, good. We'll get there. Good, good. All right, Matt, what are you drinking? I was just drinking a club soda. Oh, come on. <laughs> and the reason why is because I got here at uh, 8 this morning, and I've been <laughs> drinking since 8. And what time is it? Now? 7? I figured I should take a little break. Yeah, it's 7.15, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to stop at some point, I guess. But you know what? My, my day was that, was the agave. Nice. I think that's our favorite right now. It's a phenomenal way to you're almost there okay. well, <laughs> you keep building up let's get there closer. all right you're getting closer <laughs> i'm getting warmer all right is that the next one in the lineup no. it isn't but we can jump there no no, no whatever you guys okay. think i you guys the next are one the master is our peated single malt white whiskey so this is 100 percent peated malt from scotland and what is that what is peated malt what does that mean smoked smoked over oh, peat okay fire. yep a little smoky on the nose a little sweet too this was fermented with uh, a kind of an interesting yeast a cross between a Brettanomyces and a Saccharomyces yeast. Oh, okay. Uh, so Beer has, nerds will recognize that. Yeah. So it has some weird tropical fruit flavors from that yeast. Yeah, you get some tropical up front on the flavor, and then you get like a nice finish of like smokiness on the end. That is uh, that is complex. It's cool. Yeah, you guys are messing around. <laughs> All of these will find their way into a barrel for years to come as well. How did you come about finding the yeast for this? I made a beer with it actually at Mammoth Brewing Company. It, okay. was, it was an interesting story because I was trying to make a, a Brett beer. Mm-hmm. Looking for the barnyard, horse blanket flavors, that <laughs> whole deal. And it wouldn't do it. It was just giving this lovely tropical fruit flavors. And we talked to White Labs. And they actually went back and looked at the genetics of the yeast. And they reclassified it. So it's not a true Brett yeast. It's what they call it Brett sack yeast. Interesting. So they did like a whole like genealogy on it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that what they call it, genealogy on the yeast or something? Uh, I don't know. I, forget, I know they <laughs> can like they can nerd out and go back and figure out like what's what's the yeast actually made of. So I have a really stupid question for people who distill. I'm very new to gin. What are the basic ingredients of gin? Well, juniper. It, yeah, you have to, you have to have juniper berries. <laughs> okay. Beyond that, you beyond can that, do whatever it's you want. whatever. But juniper is the it's the yeah. best. All right, it can be it can be grain based. It can be fruit based. It can be sugar-based, so it just has to have those juniper berries in it. Where vodka can have, like, almost anything in it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, any fermentable sugar. As long as it ferments. You just have to distill it up to 95%. Okay. What is your favorite type of spirit to make? You know, it's really crazy coming into this, and, you know, we've done other, like, so you're going to get to the agave, and we had a brandy that's gone. We have a new brandy in the tank that we haven't released yet. They all distill so different. It's not like they all just are on this one plane, this one graph. Gins are so different. Whiskeys are so different. The brandies and agaves are a completely other entity. It's insane. Like how they evolve through the process is amazing. I think I'm most intrigued by gin because of the botanicals you put in it. And it's like they release at different times and different temperatures. So a lot like hopping a beer per se. Yeah, yeah, very similar to yeah. that. Yeah. It's like we've talked a lot about passion. We talk a ton about science. Yeah. Like this is it's it's science and passion just melded into one. But there's this crazy thing in there that intrigues me. Like, why does star and ice kick off at this temperature? And why does rose petal kick off at this temperature? And how when you put those together do they meld and create this finished product? It's fast. That part's fast. So for yeah. me, it's gin because it's super fascinating. It's fun to nerd out on. It's really, really fun. And as you know, a final spirit run goes, like say nine hours. That nine hours, it changes the entire time. 
And do you have a favorite? It's tough. I think one of the most challenging ones is Brandy to me. And I really love Brandy. I love Jermaine Robin Brandy. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to keep making Brandy, but right now it's been a, it's been a challenge to uh, to make Brandy, and that intrigues me a lot. And, but it sounds like you've been fairly successful. We have been, but it's been hard. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where you get to nerd out and yeah, like make it yeah, better every yeah. time. Cool. So our first Brandy was uh, all apples from the Workison Apple Hill Ranch in Bishop. So they're all local. Oh, okay. So we juiced. 750 pounds of apples, mm-hmm. I believe, that day, which was cool. It's a lot of apples. <laughs> it was a lot of apples. <laughs> and it was rad because it's all of our local stuff. Yeah. The Our new brandy that we have that's back here, we can go taste that later if you're still walking, <laughs> um, is a <laughs> passion orange guava brandy. That's a lot of flavor. Which is cool. Yeah. And to really us, fun. like no one's ever done it. And we call it passion juice. Somehow the TTB said that that was okay. So that's what we're putting on the label. <laughs> no one stopped you yet. Are we on to the agave? Yes. I'm, I'm very excited because you guys are so excited about this one. <laughs> I hope it lives up to the hype. It's first our agave from Mexico through Brewer Supply Group, but it's an organic Blue Weber agave. Okay. Just exactly what tequila is made out of. But that is way smoother than your average tequila. Like that, that goes down like nothing, for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's why we drink it all the time, I guess. So, and then this was aged almost two months in a used single malt barrel. Yeah, it's it's definitely rounded out with like a little bit of vanilla, maybe. Um, but it's just I can't get over how smooth it is because usually you have tequila, and, and other than some really fancy tequilas, like it goes down a little rough. I think everybody can admit that this this goes down so smooth, so easy, it's so well rounded. A little sweetness, a little vanilla in there, a little oak. One of the big things for us is the fermentations. Everything's temperature controlled and everything's sanitized before we put in the fermenter so we know exactly what yeast is, is doing the job in there. Mm-hmm. And this particular yeast was we sourced from Real Brewers Yeast. Okay. And uh, it's a California-based company. And he did a great job. He went out and actually got some agave syrup and fermented it and sent me the specs on it and how it did and everything. Well, that's awesome. Before we bought the yeast for it. And is this available now yeah. in the distillery? Uh, is it? We might be sold out. We have I don't like know. two cases of this left. <laughs> so by the time you're listening to this, I'm very sorry. You it's, may have missed it. It might be gone this weekend. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got to try it. Then. <laughs> we do have a blanco in the tank, so that'll be out next. I mean, is that going to be aged or anything crazy no, done to that? No, that's just going to be uh, the white, the straight the white up agave. Yep. Same ingredient, same yeast, but no, not aged in the barrel. Oh, so that'll be kind of fun. Hopefully, you guys save like a bottle so you can like have it side to side. And yeah, I have a bottle in my house. Nice, a little. You can nerd out on that. I I love like for saving. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's half gone. <laughs> That's what mine looks like. <laughs> We're aging it in quotes. Um, before we get towards the end here, I what's the difference between working in a fairly large production brewery and then be able to come here? And, you know, we've talked a lot about our passion, like kind of live out some, some passion projects. Yeah, and that, that really speaks to how we get to change things up all the time. Like take our beers, you know, we'll do one tank full, and when it's gone, it's gone. We have no plans of bringing it back ever. Yeah. You know, someday, maybe. It blows my mind. That's, yeah. that's so cool. But that, we always get to create new things. So whether it's the beer or the spirits, we're always get, we always get to create, and that's our passion. Yeah. And we really hope that translates to, to our customers about, how much we enjoy creating the, these products for them. I, I think it does. We, we sort of touched on this. You're talking about brandy, but is there a spirit or beer here currently? Well, I guess that's ever been here at Shelter that you're most proud of. And this, this is for both of you. 
I that's tough for me. I really love the agave. I'm so stoked how it came out because I'm surprised actually. <laughs> but hey, it doesn't suck, everybody. This is great. <laughs> but the whiskeys, the single malt whiskeys, the white whiskey, the rose hip, and then the the oak chipped whiskey. I'm really proud how those came out. So nice and flavorful, but smooth and drinkable. You know what's at my house is gin the third and the blue agave and the single malt. Just the straight up clear. Those are the three I drink the most. Yeah. For sure. That's awesome. Um, we do actually have one more for oh, you. Oh, hold on. This one just came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's the, the new oak chipped, the whiskey we're doing. Ooh. So this is cool. So the first French oak that you tasted, Yes. this second one is the same chips that we used in that. Oh, the same exact chips? The same exact chips. Okay. So this is a second use on those same chips. That is so smooth. It's so easy to drink. Hold on, I got to... To this one, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to yeah, back. Do the side by side. Yeah. Little whiskey science. <laughs> Part of this, too, I mean, for the people that are not here, like, we don't have any walls that separate anything. And it's, so it's like you're at the bar getting a whiskey or a cocktail, and it comes from the still. And to be able to set something like this down side by side, like, here's the difference. This is what happens when you do this. Yeah. The first one is I get more vanilla, a little more of that oakiness to it. Mm-hmm. But it's also a little bit more of that what you expect out of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way at all. I like it. This is clearly whiskey. This one, a little less on the oak, a little less on the vanilla, but I'd say it's a little smoother and easier to put down. Mm-hmm. It's definitely round. There's like a little butter in there. I get mm-hmm. kind of like a cinnamon taste myself. That's the spiciness. Yeah, it kind of warms the mouth a yeah. little bit. Yeah, this is fantastic. I'm going to have a little more. That one hasn't made it on the shelves yet here. But it will soon. So about the time people are listening to this, <laughs> come on over for, for uh, some whiskey. So there's something I like to do with all the, the people I talk to on the show, which is some rapid-fire questions. And I've altered them to be distillery-based as, as, you know, instead of uh, brewery-based. But before we get to those, let's talk about what you, the four in the middle that we have here on the tray. Yes. You want to start with the ESB? Absolutely. Something that you don't see at a lot of breweries. No, this is Carl's favorite style of beer. So he really wanted to brew on. And it's all English malt. It's Golden Promise malt. It is Fuggles hops. It's London Ale yeast. And everything about it is English. That is classic and delicious. Nice and malty. Yeah, when you say ESB, this is what I picture. I mean, this is this is everything about an ESB that, that should be an ESB. Do you guys have any um, aspirations of maybe doing like this on cask? We thought about making our big serving tank basically a big cask. We were going to put a breather on it, put a beer engine on it, and just pump it out of the tank with the <laughs> beer engine. And we will probably still do that at some point. We just haven't pulled it off yet. Because that's, I mean, that's one of the few that, like, if you have that on cask, it's just, I mean, and it's meant to be on cask. You know, some people brew it and then throw it in cask, and it's not so good. But when it's, meant, when it's brewed to be in cask, like, that's phenomenal. That's the beautiful thing about our serving tanks, too. They're glycol jacketed separately, so, you know, and temperature controlled, so we could, we could pour it warm, way warmer than our other beers. That makes sense. Uh, okay, where, sh- where should I move to next? Let's go to the Thai IPA. Ooh, this one intrigued me. I was I was stalking the website a little bit. Uh, and Thai IPA. <laughs> it's like I don't know about this one. I'm a big fan of those flavors. A lot of lemon. Mm. There's the lemongrass, cardamom, mm. and just a touch of green Thai chilies in there. Oh yeah, that's weird, but in a good way. <laughs> that is not something you expect to have an IPA. It's a solid, refreshing IPA. What's the ABV on this one? That one is uh, five, five, or five, eight. Wasn't five, it five, eight? eight? Yeah, five, so, eight. I mean, almost sessionable because this goes down like water. Like, this That's is sessionable, right? Yeah. <laughs> Depends what day of the week it is, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I could drink this all day Sunday. But this is real easy to drink, real light, but real flavorful. And when you said green chilies, I got a little afraid it's not spicy. No, no. Yeah. I mean, if you drink a pint, you'll you'll notice a little warming, but yeah, that's it, it. No, there's no, like, habanero or anything like that. No, no. No, that's really good. Where should we move on to next? Well, let's do the peanut butter cream now. I was very excited for this one. I'm not going to lie. Like, I saw this up on the menu. I was like, peanut butter cream ale. That totally makes me taste peanut butter and jelly whenever I... It's, yeah, it smells like a sandwich. And it's funny. The fruitiness, I get a lot of fruitiness from the yeast in there. It gives a jelly flavor to me. What kind of yeast did you use? This Burlington is, yeast. This is phenomenal. Like, some people try to do things like this, and it just tastes like a sour peanut butter beer. Like, this is phenomenal. There's zero hops in that beer. Yeah. No hops at all. Zero. No hops at all. Wait a minute. How do you call it a beer, then? Maybe it's not really a beer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a bunch of lactose in there as well. Yeah, that, that really smooths it out, makes it kind of nice and creamy on the mouthfeel. But, like, I literally feel like I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on white bread. Like, not wheat, <laughs> not sourdough. Like, this is PB&J right. on white. Yeah, yeah. Like, just like when you were four years old. Well, this is cool to pour for people because they expect a dark beer. You set down an ale in front of them. They're yeah. like, no, I wanted the peanut butter beer. And then they drink right. it like, wow, I didn't. This is good. How dare you? I said peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, very surprisingly good. I'm looking. I, I have my assistant with me. I'm looking at her face because she's very sensitive to fruity and soury things, which is it's not at all. And she looks okay. Look it's at that. It's a different thing. We've even almost said we might designate that tank to just cream ales. The cream ales are fun. You Here, do so much yeah. with them. Here's like, I'm like, it's no hops. Let's put lactose <laughs> in it. Let's make it creamy. And Jason's We're like, just no, shaking no. our head. Oh, no, we can't like do that. I'm like, get that IPA off of there. Let's put something else. <laughs> not, not an IPA fan? <laughs> no. He's going to go on vacation. There's going to be three tanks of IPA. When <laughs> this one's 100 IBUs. This one's 120. Before this experience, I, I tended to not like IPAs because growing up in California, they were all West Coast IPAs. Well, and especially like late 90s, early 2000s when it was really blown up. I mean, it was 100 bajillion IBUs, kick you in the teeth. And it started to turn me away because I like subtle complexity. Yeah, and there was none. I want to drink Pinot Noir. I want to drink an Ethiopian coffee. I want to, I want to drink gin and taste all the stuff. Yeah. And so it, it kind of like turned me away. And then I started to learn more. The more I hang out with Jason, the more I learn more. And the more I learn about other styles, I'm like, I almost don't want to say this because it's going to be on record. But there's a place for hops. <laughs> and when they're used correctly, and it's, it's amazing. That's kind of where I stand. Did I, did I offend anybody? Uh, no. I, in fact, along that point, I love what people are doing right now. It seems like it's less about the punch-you-in-the-teeth hops and more about a well-rounded IPA when it comes to IPAs. I mean, this, the Thai IPA is not a punch-you-in-the-teeth IPA at all, and which is nice because, uh, you know, for so long, that's, that's all you got to have an IPA. And that had its place. But it's, it's nice to see what people are doing to make beers that everybody can drink, not just people who have burnt their tongues off. Yeah, I'm a fan of the trend of the brewers these days where they're taking the bittering hops almost all the way out of their recipes and putting yeah. them at the end of the boil and in the dry hopping. This leads to an interesting question. As someone who's uh, brewed for many years, what are your thoughts on New England IPAs? Boy, they're really tasty, but <laughs> I don't like drinking a glass full of yeast, that's for sure. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I like clear beers, or at least mostly filtered beers. This light haze is fine, Sure, but when I drink a bunch of yeast, I know it's not going to feel good. 
Yeah, it, and it's just weird. Yeah. It, and it's weird when you get a beer, and if you don't drink it within a week and a half, it's turned gray on you. That's yeah, that's weird. extra weird. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always love asking people on the on you know the West Coast what they think of New England IPAs. And as a non-IPA lover, Matt, what do you think of New England IPAs? Because I know a lot of the non-IPA people love the juiciness of them. I love the juice. I love the like more creaminess and roundness. Sure. But I'm on the same page where like if I can taste or feel yeast, I'm like it's, yeah, it's a little weird. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that in my food. I don't like that. I don't like that. I hope you're not board. getting food with yeast in it. That's all right. And then we have one more one more glass here. Yes, this is our cider, uh, Perry Roubaix cider. Okay. And it's apple juice based. Uh, it's fermented with the Belgian yeast, the Trappist yeast, the same yeast actually as our whiskeys. All whiskeys except for the first French oak whiskey oh, you tasted. Interesting. And then we aged that cider on French oak as well. So apple base, French oak chips, and Belgian yeast. And you can really smell that Belgian yeast in there. It almost has a beer-like smell to it, but it has the apple tartness when you drink it. Um, this is surprising. Like, as someone who's not a big fan of ciders. With the ciders we've done, we've tried to be more like a dry cider. Like, we're not trying to be like a sugar. Right, more like the English style. Yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of takes the place if somebody wants a white wine and they come in, they, they can drink yeah. that cider and be very satisfied. I would say this is like an oaked, sparkling Chardonnay. Yeah, it drinks like that, or, or like a less bubbly champagne kind of thing. And like most ciders, is this gluten free? Yes. Oh, look at that, gluten free. Yeah, that's just a bonus. So uh, very nice. All right. Before we get out of here, I have rapid fire questions. I'm going to ask you a question. First thing that comes to mind, don't think about it too long. The first spirit you ever drank. Jameson. It's probably vodka. (laughs) (laughs) Something bad. (laughs) Grocery store brand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's where I'm at. Uh, All right. The first one you ever distilled. Basically, we took a beer and made a hopped whiskey out of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that here? No. <laughs> that, sounds, first of all, that sounds phenomenal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did it taste kind of like beer whiskey? It was pretty good. All right. Yeah. You guys let me know when you put that on the menu here. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll make a trip back up here. All right, Matt, first. Jim. Jim. Jim the third, right? Jim the first was the first we ever did. What was Jim the first? The third was the first one I sat by myself and did. So that, one, that was the first one that was all you. Yeah. Nice. The first spirit that you ever distilled and then sold. Well, I think. It was we had a bunch when we first sold, so I don't know what was the first one we sold. We had nine spirits the day we opened. Dang. Yeah. That's pretty and good. And we labeled all of them the day before. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. And the morning before. It was insane. <laughs> I don't know what sold first. I don't either. We should look that up. We should, we should totally look that That'd up. That'd be some good uh, history there. Yeah. Um, all right. Favorite spirit slash food pairing? I love whiskey and dessert. Whiskey and chocolate. Yeah. Can it be cereal? It, it can <laughs> be <laughs> cereal. No judgment. Wait a second. Can when it, are you drinking so spirits and eating cereal? I typically have a Belgian waffle in the morning, but it's not morning. It's like noon? You know, I live this crazy life. <laughs> Anybody out there who has kids is like this. This is my typical day. I wake up at 7, try to not yell at my kids to get them to school right. at 3. Ooh, get here, and then we, like, we prep so... We do all of our own juicing, all of our make all of our own syrups, all our own garnishes, all our own bitters. Everything we serve here, we make in-house. So we start at 8 in the morning. So we get here, do that, and then it just starts with drinking. So I usually have a Belgian waffle. 
I love waffles. And it's probably blue agave. It's probably yeah. my most popular. Well, yeah, that waffle probably sits on the bar for hours the as waffle, you prep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's never warm. At this point, are you are you pouring it onto the waffle? Well, that's a good idea. It sounds kind of nice. That would be like maybe some pecans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dip oh, it on dip. there. Yeah. We have a coffee bitter up, or a coffee pecan bitters up front. There you go. Well, that and the blue agave. I dig it. Uh, all right. It's Tuesday night. What are you drinking? Blue agave. Matt? It's the blue agave. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite spirits destination? I don't think I have one yet. This is, this is new, right? Yeah. So before the Craft 74 existed, there were 42 distilleries in the United States, wow. right? No, there was 42 in California, 1,000 in the United States. Okay. There's like a thousand breweries in San Diego County, right? <laughs> Close. Like so, yeah. It's like 700. Yeah. Like they, they're not accessible. And that's where you know, craft distilling is 1% of the spirit market right now. It's craft beer 15 years ago. Yeah. Back when Stone IPA was new. Before to that, it was like, I'm going to go to Scotland and drink scotch where they make scotch. Right. I'm going to go here and have this. It's what they do. Yeah. What's new now is there's there's a couple uh, distilleries in San Diego County now that are rad. There's some up in um, like Napa, oh. Paso Robles. Okay. There's a couple in Paso that do a lot of stuff off grapes. It's just killer. So this this is a new thing that we can now like in California, the United States, like drive a couple hours and yeah. hit up a craft distiller. Like I mean, Paso's making good beer, good wine. Paso is a cool spot. It, it's surprisingly a cool spot. Yeah, I love going to Paso. We we drink a lot of beer and wine there. Favorite outside non-shelter spirit? Jermaine Raban, brandy. Please don't say fireball. <laughs> you know what? That'd be I, good in cereal. I think one of the best, <laughs> one, one of the on best that I've had lately was that uh, vodka, barrel-rested vodka you brought oh, down from, from Refine. 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 Refine, yep. It was phenomenal. From Paso. Refine is the... The, the, the distillery, yep. Awesome. That sounds phenomenal. That was delicious. That was cool. I think it was called E from Refine. Empty. It was empty. <laughs> Pretty quick. And finally, favorite non-alcohol hobby? Non-alcohol hobby? Mountain biking. Mountain bike. Okay. <laughs> non-alcohol hobby. I really love coffee. I roast coffee every week. Makes sense. Hobby. Hobby seems like it should be something I'm doing fun, though. Yeah, it should be fun. I love to play golf. First of all, I love that the former pro snowboarder did not say snowboarding like that's <laughs> i was waiting for that so that's that's perfect i love it that's so good i'm like this socal kid the entire time i snowboarded i'm like i'm cold <laughs> <laughs> this sucks <laughs> like it's fun but it sucks it's fun, but it yeah sucks. can we ask where you grew up i grew up in arrow bear lake so close to big bear okay so i mean you're not like super hot socal la no 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 yeah yeah blistering i've heat. always lived in the mountains okay yeah Everybody that's coming up to Mammoth, whether it's uh, for snowboarding, skiing, or just come drink some alcohol, come check out Shelter Distillery. You can find them online at shelterdistilling.com or on the social medias at Shelter Distilling. You can find them in the village, 100 Canyon Boulevard, Suite 217. Of course, that's in Mammoth, California. Uh, look, just go to the village and find the only place that has a garage door, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's how uh, somebody in my group knew where you guys were. And I said, where is it? Like, oh, it's the one in the garage door. Like, it's We'll, we'll probably have to sign up sometime soon. Yeah, one of these days. I'm we'll... trying not to. It's like IPAs. I'm trying not to. <laughs> <laughs> Signs and IPAs. Wait till you go on vacation. You're going to have both when you get uh, back. It's going to be great. Yeah, you must never leave. <laughs> <laughs>
Matt, Jason, thank you guys so much for for the time, for the drinks, and and for uh, nerding out with me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. One last huge thank you to Jason and Matt, as well as a very special shout-out to Jenna for setting this all up and making this happen. Really had an amazing time at Shelter and hanging out with these guys and and with Jenna. Uh, Really, really great host. And I also learned a lot about spirits and distilling, something I admittedly did not know very much about. Um, And then after the interview, I got to get a little nerdy with Jason. We talked beer and and brewing and gave me some tips for my own uh, home brewing adventures. Make sure you check out our social media for pictures of the interview, the distillery, and of course the insane mountain of beverages that they brought over for me. I think it was 14 on the tray, and then they bring over a couple more. I was pushing 20 by the time our night was over. So you can follow us at the Unfiltered Gentleman across the board, except for Twitter, at Unfiltered Gents, and you can find Shelter on social media, at Shelter Distilling, or on their website, shelterdistilling.com. Please go give them a visit up there in Mammoth in the village there, which is very close to the slopes, and make sure you let them know you heard about them from the Unfiltered Gentleman. Well, that's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Follow us on social media, like I said before, and you can find us at theunfilteredgentleman.com for all your unfiltered needs, including uh, you know shirts and swag and all that good stuff. And make sure you leave us a drunk voicemail at 805-538-BEER-2337. Hope everyone's staying hydrated out there. And on that note, good night, everybody.